Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses of Captain Morgan and Ginger to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural dodgeball team, or just live to have fun, you're all captains in our book, and no matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. All right, welcome to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. This is our 100th episode. Yes, we did it. I think we're now uh, three behind the Simpsons. We're going to catch up. I have my COO of the podcast, Master Tate Frazier here. What's happening, Tate? Not too much. Happy to be here. 100. We did it. Can you believe it? And we couldn't have done it without these guys, my gurus of gambling, my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, the degenerate trifecta, Brother Bry. Harry and Darren, the Parlay Kid. What's up, guys? What's going on, Sal? Yo, Sal. What's happening? What's going on, buddy? Oh, man, I'm so excited. A hundred. I don't think anyone thought we could do it. Uh, Parlay Kid, we ran the math. I mean, this is a sports gambling podcast, and people we've heard from a lot of people. And if they followed every one of our picks on a $10 wager, guess how much? We had, uh, we had our guy, Evan, run the numbers to research it. Guess how much? We would have made. Uh, we would have made money? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we actually would have lost $317 million. Yeah. But that's, I don't know, we're picking it. I think we're getting better. No. We just promise fun. We don't promise winners here. And uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this over the last almost two years. Right, Tate? This is, uh, I think we started wow. in May. May will be uh, two years, yep. early May. Let's count it. But, two um, years. Yeah, we've done it for two years. Now, the, what's interesting, in the two years, the landscape of sports gambling itself has changed during our podcast. The Supreme Court ruled last year that we are not degenerates and that each state can ratify its own laws in furtherance of uh, legalizing sports gambling. Next year at this time, there should be about 30 states with laws on the books to make this legit. Everyone's excited about it. Everyone wants to wish us luck going forward. And when there's one, one guy in particular who was bugging me, he wanted to Wanted to come on the show. I was like, nah, nah, we don't have time for you. He's like, well, what if I could just uh, deliver a message and you guys can listen to it? I'm very proud of you. I was like, all right, well, that that seems fine. And Tate, do you have that? Do you have our surprise mystery guest message uh, all queued up? Yeah, let's do it. Let's play it. All right. I want to say congratulations to Cousin Sal and the Against All Odds crew. Can't believe you guys actually made it to a 100th podcast. I for sure thought this was going to die after three. <laughs> but it is amazing. Congratulations. And I really can't believe that Harry actually lived this long either. So a lot of good stuff is going on. You know who that was, Harry? No friggin' idea. Probably one of the top five most recognizable uh, voices in sports. You didn't pick it up. Tony right. Romo. It was Tony Romo. Well, he had to get a dig tell. on Harry after Harry digs on him all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Especially after Thursday, sure. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I couldn't it. believe that you lived this long. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for calling in, Tony. Sorry we couldn't fit you on the show, but uh, that was a nice message. And yes, we're all surprised Harry has lived this long. Now, we've had a ton of guests. We're going to pay tribute to a few of them. Let's start things off with uh, my cousin, Jimmy. I don't know how I was able to book him either. Actually, it was a couple of days before the first time he hosted the Oscars. And we spoke about a lot of things. Um, specifically how I got started and how he got started gambling. And our grandmother had a lot to do with it. 
And then, so bingo, we, we could, we should say you could lose a lot of money playing bingo. You can. Yeah. Because, and we used to play, we would go, yeah. I, I don't think grandma liked when we went because we would threaten to call bingo. She would take us like once every 18 months and then would learn her lesson for the next 18 <laughs> right. months because we would false bingos. Right. Yeah, we, we would yell bingo. Yell bingo. When we, and bingo. you remember what she said? How, what, how she said back, which. What would she say? She said, I, this is bad. And if the bingo commission finds out about this, <laughs> you guys are in trouble. And that just tickled us to no end. The bingo commission. <laughs> we were laughing so hard about the bingo commission. And we were little kids too, little yeah. assholes, you right, know? Right, We were like teenagers laughing at the bingo commission. <laughs> she, the, she would also punch us or hit us with, oh, the, yeah. with her giant arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She <laughs> would work. I remember her with the dabber. She'd work like... 15 bingo cards at once. And then I'd be sitting there with one bingo card trying to find, uh, is it B12? And Uh, all of a sudden her big fat fist with a bingo dabber would just thump the, (laughs) she'd be playing my cards too. (laughs) That's right. She would get mad. She'd look over. And if you miss something, if you miss one, oh, forget about it. And those dabbers could do damage like that. That'd be on your, your, shoulder for five years <laughs> that was weird ink it was like tattoos back then i want to speaking of the, the bingo commission is responsible i think for the the destruction of so many forests so you have the regular you have the regular cards where you put the you have the, the cardboard cards that you put the like what is it, like a little what, what would it be like the what would you call it, like a chip oh yeah right the little chip to cover yeah. okay so then there was a time when all right now it's special yeah. time and you have to make an x or a t but you're not going to use your regular cards you're going to buy all these paper and i think that's where the money came in like grandma would buy thousands of those paper things that you would dab with the markers and it was great because it was all run by the church Right. They were right. all in like Catholic churches. And like, it's so weird. <laughs> Even in Vegas, she would go. No, they would be concealed. In Vegas, she didn't go to get to bingo much. In Vegas, you didn't need bingo. In Brooklyn, that's all we had, you right. know, as far as organized gambling goes. But she'd go every once in a while to get to bingo in, in Las Vegas. But you could play Keno by yourself, which is almost, you know, right. similar to, to bingo. And you mm-hmm. don't have to deal with it. It's much faster. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you know, the, the slot machines are what she really loved. Yeah. All right, there you go. I mean, that's what that's what it was. We'd go to bingo. I was I loved I, mean, I loved screwing with uh, everybody and calling bingo. But that I think is where I got the gambling bug. Uh, I would flip baseball cards uh, when I was very young. Harry, your mother played bingo, right? Oh, she was sick, sick. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I mean, my parents didn't really, my parents didn't fight much. But the one thing they did fight about was the constant times my mother had to go to bingo. She was going, like like Jimmy said, it was all ran through the church. She would go six times a week. She'd get killed. And even if she won, she hid the money from my father. I begged her to go. She took me some time. Uh, that's where I started to learn. And then Sal eventually, you know, at, once I hit 10, 11, 12, I knew there were three. We had two or three bookies in town. And I uh, started getting connected a little bit there with the parlay cards. And the rest is history. Yeah, sure. <laughs> The rest is history. It's amazing. Yeah, but it's funny. So your mother would play and she would, they would argue about how much she went. It's funny that it had something to do with the church because I think if you went to a church, you felt better about yourself as if you were attending mass and, so, you know, atoning for your sins. But it really, um, it really was a catch-22, right? Sure. It was all fat and scratch-offs and no matter what, I had the money for my father. Oh, the scratch-offs. Oh, your brother's still into the scratch-offs. Scratch well, it's cool. I mean, we get to talk about this on a popular podcast. We parlayed this, I, I parlayed into a sports gambling talk show on TV. 
Uh, I don't get to stand back and appreciate how things have gone for me, but doing March Madness in Las Vegas, doing a, you know, a cable sports gambling show, co-hosting it was a, a pretty cool moment. We've come a long way. Harry from the scratch off tickets, uh, parlay kid used to hit, hide in a closet. We'd go, we were original guest, the lines guy. We'd, uh, hide, you'd hide in a closet. So your girlfriend at the time, now wife wouldn't hear you going over the lines, right? That's exactly right. Sal. Um, we would spend time. We'd go over the lines. We'd guess the lines just like you uh, continue to do now, 20, 25, you know, how many years later. Uh, it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. You know, it could be like one in the morning. We'd be going through the lines, two in the morning, whatever it was. And I seriously would be either in a bathroom or a closet, right? <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And to be honest with you, Sal, I don't know how it is for you two either. I, does your wife really know the extent of your gambling? Like my no. wife still, after all these years, doesn't really, she doesn't really pay attention to too much of it. She, that just means I've probably done a pretty good job gambling, right? I'm still, I pay my mortgage, I pay all my bills on time, right? So um, you've done a good I job. Must be doing something right. Yeah, must there's be a way to keep right. it in control. Yeah, yeah, actually, my wife, I think she did get a whiff of the extent of the gambling when I told her. I was risking my house for basically nothing uh, if someone could fill out a perfect bracket. That's still a head scratcher. Even I don't really understand. Brother Bry, you used to write out spreadsheets by hand. It's changed for you, right? Oh, it's crazy. So I think for me, I've just always been a really competitive person. And I think I first started, I, I got into, I think, fantasy football and baseball first when I was like seven, eight years old. And I was playing with like grown men. This is in the eighties with like guys that are 10, 20, 30 years older than me. It seems, seems weird when I look back on it now, but from there, I think I started going to those parlay, those parlay football betting cards. My brother would bring home and they'd be like, you know, a dollar to win $5 or something like that. And then I think I'm pretty sure because you guys were, you know, nine, 10 years older than me. I think I was in middle school when I put like my first, like pretty sizable bet in one of the Super Bowls. And I, I put it for you. Um, I don't remember how I had any money to get paid if I lost. I don't know what was going to happen <laughs> if I lost. I'm not, I'm, I can't, no recollection. But that was definitely the first time and I got hooked from then on. Uh, I remember even going to Darren or the part of the kids special party when I was, 16, 17 and going into the casinos. And I guess I looked old enough where they let me, uh, where they let yeah. me gamble. And then I was just hooked from them, but it's really been, uh, I will say gambling for me has been like kind of, you know, over the last seven, eight years, it's kind of been like a lifeline for me. It's, it's like become my therapy. So it's, uh, you know, it's just to keep my mind off of things. I'm always constantly looking at lines, looking at, you know, betting dumb shit every night, but, uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, and you talk, you brought up the competitive aspect. Like, to me, there's no better feeling than going, like, when I was on ESPN a couple of years, I had a really good best bet record. And, like, I was really on top of the world. To say I was 12, 3, and 1 with my best bets, like, ah, I don't care how much money I'm making. There's no better feeling than just being able to say that. It's documented, you've done well, and it is part of our competitive nature. It's a, it's a step up from right. the fantasy sports. Harry, you've come a long way too. You used to, God, I remember when you used to make like $8 parlays on Sri Lankan golf tournaments. Oh no, wait, you still do that. You still do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm up to, I'm up to $12. Forward. I'm up to 12. Listen, but these are not all success stories though. I will say in the highest <laughs> rated against all odds of all time, my friend, Brad joined Bill Simmons. 
and I to discuss the time he joined the Navy to avoid paying a booking. And I think, Tate, we have a clip of that. We got it. So then I go to college and I'm there. And I don't, again, I don't have $1. There's no way, you know, so I'm gambling again because that's, you know, it's worked. And um, mm-hmm. now we're going 1995. It's October. It's October. Wait, we just jumped from 91 to 95. I was in college gambling and, and going to the casino at Foxwoods. And so you're time, doing okay. Well, the only time I go to class was to steal your books, sell right. them back to the bookstore. I had a fake ID with this guy. His name was, yeah. And I had a fake ID. <laughs> and then so I would just, you know, steal books, go to the casino and, and gamble. We had a little talk before this podcast about mentioning a real name. So. Yeah, right, you right, can't right. mention real Brad's names. Brad's done a nice it's job. My, it's in my best interest as well. Yeah, <laughs> you've done a good job. Tate. The, uh, Tate's name will be mentioned a lot. Um, so now it's 1995. <laughs> In May of 1995, things start going off the rails a little Uh-oh. bit, like with the gambling and with the other thing. Um, What's the other thing? You know, so uh, <laughs> I, the listeners don't know. They don't. You mean like addictions? Okay, I had a few addictions. So things um, had started up at that point, right? Things okay. started up at that point. So now it's May. So I go down to the recruiter. I'm like, listen, I'm gonna need to join the navy. I got to get out of here. And they're like, all right, but then I catch fire gambling, so I'm not going in. So I do well that whole summer. I mean, I, I, I win. I go back and see the um, summer 95. So summer we're 95, talking like Rockets. Yankee, good season in, in 15, 20 years. Yeah. I go back. I see the Mariner game where I think Ruben Sierra hit a home run or Labritz or somebody. It was a big home run. I come back. Now it's October. It's the middle of the O.J. Simpson trial, right? That whole summer. Mm-hmm. I am ignoring this guy. He knocks on my door five minutes before the verdict is read because he knows I'll be home. Mm. He's like, hey, you got to come Smart. to the Navy. I'm like, listen, I know my rights. You know, take a hike. So now it's October 10th or something, 1995, maybe October 8th. And it's Monday night football. And it's the last, for this guy, his cutoff was Monday. So I have the Chargers over the Chiefs. And you're down how much at this point? 14, 12, around that area. Yeah, 1,200. Yeah. Right. I don't. 1,200 or 12K? 1,200. I don't have okay. 12 cents. So right. I might as well be 12K because mm-hmm. they're not getting it. Yeah. Um. So I bet the Chargers, they're up, I'm giving five, get, getting five. Maybe. Monday night football. Monday night football, um, getting five in that area, mm-hmm. maybe four. They have the ball late going in. They're already up four, and they have the ball late. Natron Means doesn't get in the end zone. They kick a field goal to go up seven. It would have been over right there if Means gets in. Um, they kick off. Steve Bono goes on to drive his life. It might have been 87 yards. <laughs> ties it up, Steve Bono. Now I'm in the room. There's three other guys with my college roommates. They know it's big trouble. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, all right, overtime. I'm still getting the points. To getting cover. four in overtime. Back then, right. teams kick a field goal. It's over. It wasn't, they never scored. Field goal every time. wasn't the two right. possession thing. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't. It was just, you know, so the Chargers, I think they get the ball first. Um, there's some back and forth. They, they kick. They punt. Tamaric Vanover catches the punt, goes maybe 60 yards for a touchdown. The game's <laughs> over. I'm sitting there. It's over for me again. <laughs> At this point, I'm 20 years old. I've done, or 18. No, wait, what? Yeah, you're like 24. 20, yeah. I've done this a few times. I moved state to state. I've done a lot of things all by myself. And I'm like, wow, what do I do now? And then uh, I told the guy, I pay him Thursday. The guy's name was, yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Told him I pay him Thursday. Wednesday I was in the Navy. Wow, a thousand ninety-five days I was in that Navy. Wow, so three years yeah. for what? Two twenty-five hundred bucks. Twenty-five hundred. Yeah, ninety-five through ninety-eight. 
95 through 98. I was on, I did two six month cruises in the Persian Gulf in a three year oh. hitch, which is almost mathematically impossible with like the run ups and all that. It was terrible. How did you handle, like, you had some issues going on at that point? How'd you handle being in the Navy and all that stuff? I first get to boot camp. You're there like the first three hours you take this test. You've already taken your ASVAB, which is basically, a, it's like a military intelligence test where they test your ability for science, math, grammar, and all this other stuff. So you do well at that. Yeah, I do well at that. I score 99. So you score 99, you get in this special group. It's called the 900 group in um, in, in the Navy. It's like, it's basically, it's, it's a touch easier than the rest of the guys because they really don't want these guys who did well on this test to quit. Yep. But then once you get there, they give you the psychological exam. Mm. And it's just like, you know, did you eat dinner with your parents a lot? And there are questions like, did you nail cats to trees? Which I, of course, said no. But the gap between my psychological test and my ASVAB test was so great that within 20 hours. I believe it. Jeez. So 20 (laughs) hours, within 20 hours of getting there, like I'm in the loony bin. It's called Ship Eight, Great Lakes, Illinois. I'm 24. I'm avoiding the mob. Now I'm in the lo- I'm avoiding this guy. Now I'm in a loony bin in Michigan. I mean in Illinois. What? So, uh, so now I'm a little discouraged. Like they've already shaved my head, right? And the funny thing was, like you're in this big room. It's scary. And uh, so they start reading all people's names to leave. And like the first five people are obviously nuts. <laughs> And then they read your name and you're like, oh, this is so bad. I know it's so bad. So they go there and you go in there, you walk into ship nine in uh, Great Lakes, Illinois. And they go, so the guy goes, drugs are nuts. Now, I haven't even got my drug test back yet. So it could be both. So I just say nuts, right? So they bring you up there and you're on suicide watch. But the suicide watch guy is also there. So he falls asleep long before you do because he's been there. He knows what's going on. So you're, you're asleep. So then they give you all these other tests. Like, you want to answer this question differently? And I'm like, well, do you want me to lie? They're like, well, yeah. So I lied. And then they send me back to the 900 division. So now I'm back in this division where it's basically all these, like, the smart guys. Yeah. And I got the, you know, the doofus coming back. I'm way behind the stenciling, which takes weeks. Like you got stenciling your name and everything. And yeah. My name's like 10, eight, nine letters. So like they didn't <laughs> want me there. And then I put shaving cream in people's things and they didn't like that. And then, uh, <laughs> and I'd make people laugh. And then once I'll tell you this, once <laughs> I was making people laugh around me. And then, um, so like, it's so funny. So what they did was they pushed back all the, the bunks. And it made everybody run till either I made the drill sergeant laugh or it rained inside from the perspiration what of the, the people. What's going on? That's there. a boot camp. And really? I was like, well, I'm not going to. The sooner I make this guy laugh, the, then this stops and I might have to run. Yeah, right. So I didn't make him laugh. I just stood there. <laughs> and it did not, did not endear me to the rest of the group. Wow. So. All right. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. There really is with Pratt. <laughs> and all because of Tamaric Vanover. Damn that guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tate, Tate, you had your life threatened on that podcast a few times. We weren't um we weren't able to pull those clips. But I was trying not to laugh right now because I know Brad will kill me. So I am uh... <laughs> Yes, he will. He'll kill you and then when they come to get him, he'll he'll join the Navy again just to avoid prosecution. Brother Bry, you witnessed Brad committing an assault uh, just a few months ago, right? <laughs> oh yeah, in December when I was out there uh for the Christmas party on uh, Sunday. We were watching the uh, football games at Corolla's house. Ken and uh, Brad had a big, or Randy had a big, uh, big little spat there over. Uh, I think Ken was giving. Well, let me let me give a little context to this. Ken was giving. I think Brad owed what like uh, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in taxes or something over yeah, like sixteen years or something that. like that. 
And then uh, Ken was giving him a little bit of uh, advice or guidance on it. Um, at some point in time, Ken said something to Brad that Brad didn't like. Uh, Brad called him a fat fuck and uh, threw watermelon at him. And that started a huge thing that day. That was, uh, I, I was a little worried that something was going to happen between us. But eventually it settled down. They took a picture together at the end of the day. But uh, that was uh, right. one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed. Thick as thieves now. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, it seems bad, but throwing fruit is a huge step up for Brad. He's really, he's really grown up. Speaking of fruit, uh, our very own Harry was issued a, a weight loss challenge by me. It was in May of 2017. I dared him to lose 52 pounds by Super Bowl 52. If he lost the weight, he would receive $5,200 from me. If he didn't, what would happen? Do you remember, Harry? Yeah, I had to go out on Sunset Boulevard with just maybe my underwear on, I guess, <laughs> with a sandwich board over my head. While uh, it said, Harry, Harry, the hippo, he's the fat hippo who couldn't lose weight. Something to that extent. Uh, and Not, listening it, to it said, Chris It said, Dahl I'm Harry, Harry, hippo, the fat loser who couldn't lose fat. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while listening to Daughtry songs and singing them on Sunset Boulevard the whole day. That's right. That's right. So Harry trained for this, trained and trained and trained like never before several hundred hours of running in place in his pool while listening to Daughtry. Harry had a chance to weigh in in front of myself, my cousin Jimmy, Tate, and Adam Carolla. So now is the moment of truth. Okay, well, I just, a few things first. Adam, get in here because I think you got to weigh in on this. First of all, Harry, you went and got an animal this week, right? I did. Sal asked Adam and asked me what we thought, if we thought that was accepted, was it allowable? You know, right. ruled in your favor. They did. So, oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> it didn't really work. If you're going to get an enema, why not shave the three to five pounds of hair? <laughs> <laughs> we discussed that. But, uh, quarter, quarter. But why did you sh shave just Utah there so you could get that? <laughs> I really hope the ink makes the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it puts it over. That would be so great. No, I, I, I kind of feel like I already won. He... He gave himself an enema. He shot his ass. Oh, you gave it to yourself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah shot the yeah. oil off his ass. So I'm oil. aware either way. Like motor oil, isn't it? What it's kind of yeah, it's like whatever it is. It's some sort of liquid. Yeah. Can. Wow. Animal oil. What do you, Ace, what would you have to say? I was half listening. He ate a sandwich board? Are <laughs> 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 there sandwiches on the board? I'm not familiar. I haven't, I haven't ate since Tuesday. Yeah, wow. Really? What was the last thing you ate? One slice of three car bread. <laughs> right. On Tuesday. In two and a half days. <laughs> so, well, this is a big moment. Jimmy, you hosted the Oscars last year. <laughs> How does this compare in terms of. It's right at the top. Maybe the, it's, we're just below the Oscars ahead okay. of the Emmys, yes. Okay, good. Cool. Like the AVNs, but it's above. Way ahead of the Oscars. Another ball of the Oscars, though. Yeah. Ahead of the Oscars. I love that there are children around. We've got Adam's kids, Alex's <laughs> And it's. It really is unbelievable. I mean, I don't think that our parents were doing this sort of thing. Yeah, well, my father's coming later. We could ask him. Yeah. Okay. He might yeah. be right. All right, let's just do this. Why you, you know you're not fighting anyone, right? His original weigh-in was with cargo shorts, so it's only fair, I think, that he's wearing them again for this last Is this pay-per-view? Oh, he's wearing... Okay, yeah. so he's not going to do it in his underpants. No, no, this he is He just it. pulled his wallet out of his shorts? Yeah. Yeah, I but that got empty. nothing. Actually, I'll scrub off a few ounces if unless he wins. Yeah, it's gonna weigh something in a minute, I think. But 
Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, oh no. my God. Oh, oh, wait, hold still. Oh, oh no, no. Wow. Yeah. 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 He did it. 191.8, three pounds less than the desired number. Unbelievable, Harry. Was that your greatest accomplishment, you think? Yeah, I think it has to be. Yeah. And then uh, then uh, it was short-lived a year later. Um, I've gained it back. What are you maybe right now? Make something. Maybe... Boy. Uh, you went to the doctor today. Come right on. Now? You had to weigh in. What am I right now? I'm um, 47 years old. That's what I am right now. <laughs> but but what did the scale tell you? <laughs> I, I, that I don't. I, if I if passed, I'd say two fifty five. Oh my god! If I had to guess. <laughs> Gained it all back. Gained it, it all, be all done. more than I, all. I, I've, I've proven. I've proven it can be done. I can do it again. You're right. I, you know, I, I, I didn't think, think anyone could gain it all back. You proved me wrong. <laughs> yeah, he gets a girlfriend and that's it he doesn't even care he doesn't care what he looks like anymore you're right that's brian true, was a yeah, somehow oh, some way. i don't i don't i don't know all right well you did the right thing harry almost thing you, you i think you just did it for the bet i'm starting to think that that's that's what uh, happened yeah, here that, that's what that's what you've been saying and you know what though more and more i think you're right <laughs> I, I swindled you Damn. Now, Harry's yeah. weight his first year in college. Did Harry weigh more than 130 his first year of college? No, oh, he, yeah. was a li- he was a little tiny man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, his eyes <laughs> were looking are. all different ways, but his weight wasn't an issue. Yeah. That's not, come on. I know, come on. I'm sorry. All right, no, you got it. You got everything fixed. Uh, but listen, probably my favorite guest, uh, I'll, I'll say this right now, was the late grade Super Dave Osborne. He came on in... December 2017 and Tate you know there were weird times back there I don't want to get into it but there was some reorganization at the top of uh, ringer management people were bummed out and I told Simmons hey come on with me and Super Dave we'll laugh our asses off for an hour I, you know and I wasn't able to listen back to this in January when Super Dave passed I was too sad but for the purposes of this podcast I knew it had to be uh, I knew we had to play this back and I decided to listen to it and it was every bit as great as I remembered Here's a sampling of Curb Your Enthusiasm's Funkhauser, a.k.a. Super Dave Osborne. Super, who thought of the name Funkhauser? Because it's really perfect for you. Kid walking down a hallway. <laughs> he was screaming in his parents' bedroom, open the door. His father's wearing an Opal rig and bunny shoes. Mother wearing a Girl Scout uniform, and they're going at it. He said, Daddy, what's going on? He said, nothing, sweetheart. We're just having some fun. Go to bed. I'll talk to you in 20 minutes. 20 minutes later, father's trudging down the hall. He opened, they're screaming in the kid's bedroom, opens the door. Kid's having sex with his grandmother. He said, Billy, what are you doing? He said, it's not so funny when it's your mother, is it? <laughs> and that's how the name Funkhauser came to life. Okay. That's, exactly. All right. It makes sense now. All right. Now, Funkhauser was Larry's idea. It was his idea. And you have a lot yeah. of fun on the, uh, you have fun on the set or is Larry all business? Of course it's it's all I've lived the whole show. I heard a lot of your lines were scripted. That's I heard all of them were scripted. Yeah. That's it's not true. No, he's, I guess he's going to say it's not true. I thought he was the only one they had to script. Yeah, they heavily scripted you. No, I'll sit here and wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait till you're through. Okay, I'm through. <laughs> I love it. Who's your favorite athlete? Super, if you don't like Lenny mm. Dykstra. 
Let me ask you this. I'll ask it this way. All right, because uh, we'll make we'll we'll have fun Favorite with this. Baseball player by far is Willie Mays. Really? Okay. Uh, favorite basketball player, I would say. That's tough. I, I think. Oh, I'm going to tell you an interesting story. Okay. I knew John Wood, mm-hmm. which was an honor. And I was having breakfast with him, and I said, "Who's the greatest player of all time?" Now, in my heart, I expected him to say, "I'll send her," mm-hmm. or maybe Walt, or maybe uh, maybe uh, 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 George, mm-hmm. or maybe Oscar Robertson. You know who he said? Who did he say? Kobe Bryant. Did he really? Wow, that's and, what he said. I know I didn't. And I know I, said, I didn't why? like John Wooden because he plays defense as hard as he plays offense. You know, Bill is obviously a big Celtics fan. He doesn't like. He doesn't like. I didn't that. like that story. That. I didn't like that. that story at all. Did, did Did John Wooden, the booster that paid for all his UCLA players, did that guy pay for the lunch or no? Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. My ass. <laughs> my favorite moment, I think, of all time was Magic going across the key and making that hook. Yeah. Oh, the junior skyhook. What was interesting is Kareem was wide open under the basket. Yeah, and he would have dunked the rebound if it missed. Yeah. No, but if he had not missed the hook, the game would have been over. He could have flipped it to Kareem. Oh, that he could have done that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kareem, Kareem never got the Kareem, to me, was the greatest player that ever lived. Uh, uh, he never got the credit. He never got the credit, but God, was he great. It's because he didn't work the media, Kareem. I he didn't work the reporters. Exactly right. Yeah. He didn't like them. And you know what? A brilliant human being. Was brilliant. he? Yeah. Isn't yeah. He? He's a really good writer. Hmm. I yeah. would love to have him at the yeah. ringer, but he uh he's got like a Hollywood yeah. reporter thing, but he writes these really thoughtful pieces. He's hmm. good. Wow. I don't know if he's a good Who's hang. The football player? Who's the greatest football player you ever loved? You mean other than Tom Brady? Yeah, Bill's a big <laughs> Bill's a big Tom Brady guy. He's five Super Bowls. How can how can I not be? What do you think, you know Super? What's great is the uh, coach of the uh, Brady's team when he does interviews. Belichick. Yeah. Isn't he just a delight? Especially <laughs> when he loses. <laughs> you ask him a simple question, you know, how's your family? And he looks at you like your toilet. Just a piece of crap. He's a winner. He's a winner. Yeah, it's, he's a winner. What we'll was, see what happens. What was I'll your favorite the team? game that I bet on. Go ahead. All right. This is a good. Good. story. things I bet on. I bet bet on Seattle in 2015 oh. against New England. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we got down to that play where, the, you remember the back that was running up the middle with five yards every time? Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. He's still alive. Yes. Yes. So we either give it to him or Russell Wilson, who is a phenomenal rollout. Mm-hmm. So you roll him out, you send two ends in the end zone or an end in the back, he either throws it or waltzes in the end zone for a touchdown to mm. win. Mm-hmm. That's an No, happen. you throw it over the middle. <laughs> uh, so, see how upset I am? Well, super. You see how 500 to 500 listeners you have <laughs> are upset. <That's> <laughs> super love. He's loved making fun of my low uh, listenership. <laughs> He would call me up until the end and he'd be like, why are four people still listening to your podcast? When is it going to go down to three? 
<laughs> it was the best. Tate, that was a great hour, right? Oh, it was the best. It was the best. I remember when he yelled out the window and said that was more listeners than we have on this show right now. I'm just trying to get your <laughs> trying to get your listeners up. And yet a 75-year-old uh, fake daredevil could figure out uh, how to win the Super Bowl more than Pete Carroll. It's unbelievable. Um, another great one was Molly Bloom. Now, the movie Molly's Game was nominated for uh, an Academy Award for Best Screenplay. I watched it. It was a Sorkin movie. I read the book. I loved it. It's about a brilliant woman who would uh, organize high-stakes poker games on both coasts featuring billionaires and uh, A-list celebrities. And here is why she was brilliant. And every bookie or creditor should take her advice on collections. Listen up. Okay, so now that, that the book, it, it drives me nuts because I've experienced some of this. And I don't want to talk about it too much. But you have people owe you money. And you have to, you have this, this cat and mouse game you play psychologically with these millionaires, sometimes billionaires who don't want to pay you for one reason or not one stupid reason or another. And as a result, you have to cut deals. And some of them are that, okay, I'll have you recruit big players and, and, and you'll forgive the debt if they do take me through some of that. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, that, that was definitely a pain, but um, first of all, I think, the most important lesson I learned in debt collection um, was that what you don't do when someone loses a big number is you don't get aggressive with them because they're in fear, right. you know, or they're embarrassed or whatever. So they're, they're, they're on tilt. And so my, what I learned over the years was to just try to make them feel safe in that moment. Like, you know what, you're going to be okay. Uh, you'll come back and, and win next week and you call me when you're ready, whenever you need to pay that, that strategy works so much better than trying to get, you know, like mm -hmm. aggressive with someone or, um, but then also, you know, I was constantly having to make deals with people. Um, once in a while, people just couldn't pay, but that, that was the anomaly in this game because if I was vetting people properly, um, you know, if I was doing my job properly, then I, I you don't, you know, it doesn't come out of left field like that. Mm -hmm. But there were some times where they couldn't pay. So yeah, I would have to make deals. I would say, look, I know you play in this other game, bring me some of your whales and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll forgive some of this debt. I mean, I had to try to find out, you know, come up with creative ways so that it just wasn't um, a total loss. Yeah. And it, it was sort of a cool mental exercise and creative. There you go, Harry. I hope you learned something there. So if, you, if your friend Ed Clifford owes you $3 for gambling, you don't lean on him. You give him space, right? Good old Eddie, you're right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that Molly Bloom. At, at worst, she's my fourth or fifth wife. I love her. I love her. That's a great movie. Uh, so people, people haven't seen it. They got to watch that movie. Yeah, that's watch it. Molly's Game. It's great. The book is terrific. It's uh, like I yeah. said, Sorkin movie. If you like Sorkin, it's uh, it's right up your alley. Uh, hey, fans of this show, you know that Captain Morgan's a very good friend, and he has allowed us on his riverboat casino. And Darren and I, the Parley Kid and I, get seasick. So, but we want to go anyway because there's sports gambling on that. <laughs> We take uh, make-believe props. Captain Morgan suggests them to us, and then we bet on them. And some of the better ones, I don't know. Do you guys remember which ones you liked? We had, like, Star Wars opening versus Lakers payroll. Odell Beckham tantrums against Larry David tantrums on a given Sunday. Chloe uh, uh, Kardashian's next boyfriend over under six foot nine. We've gone through the gamut. We've done a bunch of them, right? I'm trying to think. Does any, any, uh, any stick out to you guys? Um, we had like the Barkley versus Barkley. I thought that was a good one. That had a good oh, video right. to it. I think we had the Leitner versus Grayson Allen was a good one. Um, I like that one too. 
Right. Who's the bigger jerk? Barkley versus Barkley. Who would win in a fight? I think that was basically it. Anyway, we've done dozens and dozens of these. You can find them online. It's a lot of fun to discuss. The very first one, though, was inspired by, and I thought this wasn't a great one. I had uh, Mr. Miyagi versus Rambo. I believe it was July 4th. No, which weekend was it? I don't, it couldn't have been July 4th, right? It was it July 4th weekend. Anyway, these yeah, are two American was heroes. Yeah. Yep. Was it around there? Yeah. Two American heroes fighting yeah, it, it out. I had Rambo at minus 700, and it sparked this discussion in what uh, ended up being our first Captain Morgan Riverboat Casino. Mr. Miyagi versus Rambo. They're saying Rambo minus 750. What do you say, Harry? You know, I know Rambo was a badass, but I'm going to take Miyagi because at the beginning of Karate Kid 2, if you remember, and Sensei's going to beat him up outside after the tournament, and he can't even touch him. He's putting his hand through the glass, through the window of the truck next to him. Who does that? I'm taking Miyagi. Farley kid, you're laughing. What do you say? Well, Sal, I, I am agreeing with Harry. I think this is easy money on Miyagi, right? Rambo is just a very emotional guy. Like with Miyagi, he is composed. You know, we saw in Karate Kid 1, he beat up like eight teenagers in skeleton costumes. Right. Uh, he should have gone to jail for that. Russo, right? He shouldn't have even been around exactly. for the second and third movie. <laughs> he beat up 16-year-olds you know in, 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 in costumes. Yeah. I think it's over and around, Sal. I don't wow. think this is even close. All right. Wow. All right. Brother Bry, do you agree? Uh, yeah. Miyagi was, what, like 5'2", five, 5'3", five, and uh, Rambo was probably about 5'10", right, they mm -hmm. say. But, uh, you know, you saw really what Miyagi did to John Kreese there, like Harry was saying on the uh, Karate Kid 2. So I, I, I like Miyagi and the That's crazy. I, well, you listen, you, you guys know me. I'd never pass up with minus 750 favorite. I have to go Rambo. Yes, we've actually seen Rambo beat up adults. He was choking people out long before it was fashionable. Who did we ever see Miyagi beat up? Darren Parley Kid says he beat up 16-year-olds in Halloween costumes. He sidestepped a punch in front of a, a car. I'm liking Rambo, minus 750. I can't believe this. All three of us are going to take Miyagi on this one. Uh. All right, I couldn't believe it either. I went Rambo. I, I thought for sure. Brother Bri, you said he's 5'3", and you still picked him, huh? You still feel this way, right? Yeah, I still pick I'd, I I still feel this way. I'm just wondering. I'm listening back. I'm like, oh, my God, I sound uh, I sound like I'm I'm dead in that in that uh, in that <laughs> video that you played. Oh, my God, I sound, I sound awful. My God. Uh, do I always sound like that? Right. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we sound. What are you gonna do? They actually added some bells and whistles because they made a video out of it with uh, some sound effects with punches and everything. But all right, you're all sticking with Miyagi, huh? I really like Rambo. I, I, I'd like to ask Sylvester Stallone. Uh, unfortunately, Pat Morita has passed. But uh, I wonder if Sylvester Stallone, I'm, I'm going to find out from Sylvester Stallone. Tate, we never got your opinion on Miyagi versus Rambo. I think I would take Miyagi as well. It's got like a little Yoda, little Yoda quality about him. You know, it's like if he had to, he could, but he doesn't have to usually, you know, so I think I'm going to go Miyagi. Gotcha. Let me say, ever since though Darren mentioned Miyagi beating up 16-year-old kids, I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to think karate, too, that's the reason why he went to Japan to get away from, you know, he was avoiding prison <laughs> at that point. Very possible. Oh. Very possible. Oh, interesting. Much like our friend Brad had to join the Navy to, uh, to exactly, avoid prosecution exactly. from his bookie. I see. I see. Uh, speaking of Brad, we have degenerates all over the place. Listeners, you guys have been great. You guys have emailed us at CousinSalAgainstAllOdds at gmail.com, and you submitted some terrific stories over the years, over the 100 episodes, um, in an attempt 
to be inducted into our Degenerate Gamblers Hall of Fame. Now, it, was, it, it, it just seemed like a pipe dream two years ago, but we got the land in Pahrump. We built the structure. It's going in. I would say we have about 15 members. Would that be right, guys? I think that's about 12 to 15. Maybe that's on the high end. I don't know. But this was our first. What we do is we vote on it. If three of us say the guy or girl is in, uh, they would be inducted into the Degenerate Gambler Hall of Fame. And this was the very first one. Will Dorval says, I bet my boss that Against All Odds podcast would be good. I lost. I blame Dr. Parlay. Oh, come on, Will. <laughs> Joke's on you, Will. It's not Dr. Parlay. It's the Parlay Kid, if you can't keep up. That's the name. That's the uh, nickname. And uh, so, okay, so I've been looking. And you could write in at Cousin Sal Against All Odds at gmail.com. We're looking for an obscure betting story. We want to put him in our gambling hall of fame. And I got one from a guy named Dipper McGeechee. And he says, hi, Sal. I bet on the world sauna championship final in 2010. Would the winner go over or under 15 minutes? I bet under and one officials pulled both contestants out of the sauna. After six minutes, one contestant died. So there you go. <laughs> Harry, you haven't done anything that crazy, right? World sauna championship in 2010. Uh, I can't say that, that, that uh, was Dipper who said that. That was Dipper, right? It says Dipper McGeechee. I don't know if that's a made up name Dipper or Dipper McGeechee, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy, that's though, nice. that World Sauna thing. I, I looked it up, and you know, they sit in, uh, the sauna is 230 degrees. Oh, man. And six minutes, and that was it. <laughs> Where is this done? Where is it even done? Is it overseas? I think it was done in, I think it was in Finland. I think they did it. What was oh. the winning prize, Brian? Uh, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I That's crazy. Well, I'll, consi- I'll consider it, depending on how much it is. I hope Dipper. Um, I hope Dipper donated to the uh, the family, <laughs> the the contestant that expired in the in the sauna. That's very sad. But congratulations, Dipper. You're in our uh, you're in our Hall of Fame. All right, there you go. I guess we didn't even vote on that one. We liked it. Is that how we did it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, we needed someone in. He had to be our Dipper. Had to be our Babe Ruth. So uh, we called him in. So there you go. Congratulations, Dipper. I wonder if he's still alive and uh, listening. Um, did you hear how he, okay. Harry was so eager to get into a competition at that point? That was before the weight loss challenge. He was. Uh, That's true. That inspired it all. He needed something. I almost, I almost, I, I almost want to change to see it. Contest has changed uh, the Parlay kid's name to go back to Dr. Parlay. I sort of like Dr. Parlay. Well, it's weird. <laughs> how, who, did I name myself the Parlay kid? Is that how that all happened? Like, how did that even happen? I just. Yeah, you did. I'm pretty Parlay sure you kid. did. That was it. Yeah, you already had the Chalk Talker as a uh, Twitter account, and you liked the Parlay kid, right. and then there was something else, right? Yeah, you were going through an identity yeah, I, crisis I, back then, Darren, but it's, it's all been sorted out. <laughs> we'll take a quick break and be back with a segment we like to call Sharp Tank, where the degenerate trifecta give their best bets for this weekend's Final Four. Stick around. This winter's a great time to check out Hotel Tonight. Whether you want to take a spontaneous ski trip or escape to a warm beach, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book a room with one of their last-minute deals. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible rates. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell those rooms and pass the savings along to you. And these aren't last-resort-type places. Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels you actually want to stay at. Unlike other travel companies, 
You don't have to scroll through endless lists of hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at great hotels, along with short profiles that have pictures and all the info you need. Even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can play things by ear or use Hotel Tonight to book in advance. And when you join Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. All right, and now for everyone's favorite segment where you can lose tens, thousands of dollars, even more if you put your mind to it and really listen closely. Sharp Tank. I'm going to go to the fellas. I'm going to get their best bets of next week or this week coming up, final four. And, oh, man, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you guys. We are taping this about an hour after the conclusion of the last game on Sunday. So we're a little worn down. We have a lot to say. Let's, I, I, this is one of the times I wish I wasn't a sports gambler and I could just enjoy. There were four good games, Brother Bry, right? They were, they were four, if you could just watch as a fan, there were four good games. And uh, we, we had our hearts broken on, I think, three of them at the very end, right? Craziness. Yeah, we, we said going in, I said last week, I sent you uh, a text saying, you know what, we should just sit back and enjoy these games. These are going to be great games. Uh, what did I do? I decided to bet a lot of money, especially on these uh, yeah. Elite Eight games, and I was on the wrong side of three of them. Um, so it was, uh, wasn't was a good way to end the weekend. But, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, Let, let's... Yeah, it's a tough. Let, let, let's start it off with Gonzaga, Texas Tech. Now, this was, uh, what was this? Saturday, the first game Saturday. Uh, I needed Gonzaga. I have ones. I have uh, a one seed to win this whole thing. So I want everyone to keep winning. I want Gonzaga to win. I want Virginia to win. I want Duke to win. Gonzaga's doing a nice job. They're winning the game. And then this is what gets me crazy, Brian. For a team that's like dominating inside, they turn the ball over inside. A ton. It really like Hachimura in the post would just like dribble it off his hip. And now I know like uh, Texas Tech, they have hands all over the place. They're great. They're kind of like a minor league Duke, although I guess they're a major league uh, version of Duke right now. But uh, was that driving you nuts there? Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, we were texting back and forth. I, I, I can't believe how many times I mean, it was Hachimura, it was Clark especially. How many times did they have? They were either going up for an easy shot they would just lose it off their hands. I guess when you have that much defensive pressure, it just forces you to play rushed, and you just, I don't know, you just get a little bit out of control. But it, for as good of a, for as great as a defensive team Texas Tech is, I just thought, yeah, if Gonzaga kind of just got out of their game plan. It just, just kept, they, they probably caused themselves their own turnover like 10 of the 15 times. So uh, it yeah, was, it was sure. frustrating, uh, really, really frustrating, because I thought Gonzaga, even – even halfway through that game, just watching Gonzaga on offense, I was like, ah, oh, to me, they just still look like the best team in the country. And uh, right. it was hard that the last 10 minutes of that second half were kind of hard to watch. Get and Tate, yeah, like like Brian said, like, you know, in tennis, they measure unforced errors. They have a stat for unforced errors. Uh, they don't have anything like that in college basketball, but it seemed like there'd be a ton for Gonzaga. But is that just like Chris Beard? Is that just that he's doing a great job with this Texas Tech team? They're handsy all over the place. and eventually they they make everyone look bad yeah i mean i think uh kim palm is the the gospel of college basketball i think they are ranked now the the best defensive team based on the metrics of kim palm ever so that's you know that says a lot about what they were able to do defensively and then you know mark few said it at halftime they asked him about how they were doing they were up 37 35 at the time and 
He said, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about the defense, but I mean, they run good offense. I think that's the misconception about Texas Tech is that they're just a defensive team that can't really score, but they're going to kind of wear you down with their defense. But they run good offense. They have Culver to bail them out, uh, you know, when they don't have things kind of hash out. They have a guy that can go ISO, but, you know, Mooney and all these other guys had big games. And uh, I mean, yeah, Texas Tech was impressive. This, this Speaking of impressive, this Chris Beard, uh, just one more thing about him coaching. So this is Texas Tech is the Big 12 school nobody wanted to coach, right? Like this, I think Tubby Smith went nine and nine one year. They were seventh in the conference and he won uh, Big 12 coach of the year. Like this is this is a phenomenal job by him and this team. Absolutely. I mean, first final four, he said it right after the game, first final four for Texas Tech. That sounds surreal. I think they were picked to finish seventh in the conference preseason going into this year. Um, so yeah. he's completely overachieved. And I mean, a 30 win year for Texas Tech sounds uh, pretty unreasonable. And, and it's also crazy to think that the, you know, the most famous coach now at Texas Tech, when you talk about Tubby, Bob Knight, even Pat Knight, all the guys that have been there. I mean, Chris Beard is yeah. the number one face of Texas Tech now. He's the one that did it. All right. So we'll talk more about Texas Tech in a minute. I, I'm sure they'll figure into these guys' uh, best bets. Uh, the second game was just insane. Um, Purdue and Virginia. And I will say, Tate, if there's one thing that Titus was dead wrong about, at least for the last couple of weeks, it was Carson Edwards. I mean, this is next coming of Michael Jordan, if you watch the way he played the last couple of weekends. I, I, I thought everyone was waiting for a three for 24 game. It just didn't happen. But yeah. the way this one ended, it, it, it wasn't enough. First of all, you want to defend Titus or, or jump on his neck a little more? Yeah, no defense for Titus. Uh, I think that's a little okay, bit good. of an Indiana bias there, you know, believing that Purdue will finally – uh, you know, hit the hump that they always hit. But, you know, Carson Edwards is unbelievable. He had the the greatest tournament run since, like, Steph Curry in 2008. He's still one most outstanding player for region, even though they lost, which is saying something. So he was uh, – I've never seen anything quite light. I mean, because it wasn't Jimmer where he's just jacking, you know, on his own, and it feels like one guy doing it all. I mean, he was doing within the flow of the game, and he was making everything he looked at. I think he's going to average more. I think Jimmer was second. Jimmer Fredette was second in points per game. Uh, minimum three in the NCAA tournament. I think he's he's number one now uh, in that category. Harry, you had Kyle Guy over everything, over what, 16 points, two and a half threes. You were cursing him at first. Then he hurts his ankle, and he comes out stronger than ever, which seems to be a theme in this oh, uh, tournament. Else, really. Right? Five threes in the second half. He won six feet. He had 10 rebounds for the game. Uh, I, I, I told Brian, uh, I think DeAndre Hunter has to be strong, too. He really wasn't yesterday, but he did get four points in uh, overtime, which uh, pro propelled them. But just an unbelievable swing, just knowing that Klein, if he makes that free throw, they're up four, he misses, so it's still three. But if you got Purdue plus four and a half, ten seconds ago, three points, you're, you're winning by three. And if you get four and a half, goes overtime, you lose by turnover at the end by Edwards, throwing it out, Un six, six tough, crazy ramifications with the, the spread and everything. I think they said Purdue was a 97% uh, 97% chance that they would cover uh, uh, with 111 left, up three, getting four and a half. With Parley Kid, you're, th th this was just insane. So the back, the, the <laughs> first of all, the kid that's hitting all the threes to kill uh, Tennessee, uh, Klein, he misses the free throw that would have put them up by four. We're probably not even talking about this, right? And then, so then they go to the line, Virginia, and there's all kinds of craziness that could happen here. There's lane violations that may or may not have happened. There's a lane violation that should have maybe happened for Purdue that could have kept them in the game. But instead, what happens? The ball is tipped back the three quarters of the way down the court. And how did yeah. you see it? Because you had underdogs, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, Sal. Um, I had all four dogs 
on a parlay worth 45 uh, to 1. Didn't hurt as much until these other two dogs today won. Uh, so that was, uh, now looking back, totally disappointing uh, on that. But, yeah, so it's a Miss Klein free throw. The guy kind of was knocking down shots in his sleep for you know, the game before. Excellent, I think an 80% free throw shooter somewhere in that area. Makes the first one, so now you think the pressure's off on the second one, kind of. But going up four would ice the game. Misses. Okay, now we have this uh, other scenario coming down. Other four, uh, and um, obviously with uh, Ty Jerome's missed free throw, when it gets back, one was he even trying to miss the free throw. I don't think so. I think he just missed it. And by the way, you can look at it. I sent the picture of it. He did have a line violation. He was across that line uh, well before that ball hit the rim himself. Should have been a violation on him. Wasn't called. Ball gets tipped well into the backcourt. Uh, Clark runs what like a he must have run like a four two forty to get to that ball somehow. Uh, he flies down into the backcourt to get the ball, dribbles up. Guy is to his left. Guy almost wants the ball to take like a half court shot. He decides to fire a one handed pass on the run, Kyler Murray style. Hits his big man, who then hits the hits the shot at the buzzer to send it into the incredible finish. And you know what's going to happen after that, Sal, right? They're winning this game. You know what's going to happen. And, uh, wow, Edwards couldn't have been better. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, – what a game that was. And uh, it hurt to lose uh, for me on that money line, uh, underdog parlay. But what are you going to do? It happens. Tate, let me ask you, was that the best pass you've seen in a college basketball game or a meaningful one? Do you, uh, Grant Hill or what do you got the uh, Bryce Drew one or was, was yesterday Virginia the way they closed it out to send it to overtime? It is funny how that it tends to happen in the Elite Eight, the, the big play like that, the big pass that everyone remembers. I mean, that's what happened. It was Kentucky Duke in the Elite Eight. I, that We were texting mm-hmm. Parley Kids that, I mean, that was one of the greatest passes he had ever seen, possibly the greatest pass he'd ever seen. I would I would agree, but just just for the fact that Tony Bennett had a timeout, uh, I thought when the tip was so deep, like you said, I mean, to run that far and to be able to get the ball back up the floor to get a mm-hmm. decent shot, um, that's pretty wild. But, uh, I mean, apparently they they had worked on that play. To, I think Jerome maybe missed on purpose. I don't know. I could I could hear arguments on both sides. But uh, the pass that Clark made and then the shot for Diakite to get it up before, um, that was that was unbelievable. All right, now let's go to Sunday. Well, it ended up being good. I, I didn't know which way to root for that. I have to be honest. I think I had Virginia in our elimination pool, so that was good. And it got me to... Today, which I butchered anyway, but uh, I had I have a one seed, like you said, to win the whole thing. So thank God Virginia's still alive. But uh, Todd Furman beats me because Purdue lost. I I really didn't know which way to go with this. But let's go into Sunday real quick. We have Kentucky against Auburn. Kentucky gets off to a good lead, and it just looks like Bruce Pearl's team like was done. It's like okay, they live and die by the three. They're not hitting them today. They're down by seven or eight against Kentucky early, and then they fight back. They fight back, but are still losing by five at half. And P.J. Washington, much like Guy coming out of the, the minor foot injury, P.J. Washington, who was on a motorized scooter all week, he looked like Superman all of a sudden, had bigger ups than ever before. He's, he's leading them uh, to victory, seemingly. And then Auburn, second half, comes out shooting the lights out. And to me, the big play, it was uh, Harper. Jared Harper was the guy. I mean, that guy is phenomenal. Tate, he shut down your point guard. He shut down uh, Hagens. Like Hagens had seven turnovers today. White didn't do anything, right? What did what did what did White do? Uh, Kobe White. 
No, he was, he yeah, much, he was right? basically, yeah, he was, he got shut down. I mean, he got beat by Harper. Harper's beating guys down the floor. I mean, he's probably the fastest guy on the floor. Kind of similar to Johnny Flynn type, 5'11", small, but, you know, that first step is quick. And, I mean, Kentucky would score a basket, and then, you know, Auburn's beating him down the floor. Yeah, I mean, the guy was great. He, he seemed to have, like, the best court awareness I've seen out of a college player in a while. Just going for the two-for-ones, flying down the lane, just knew what he was doing. Like I said, he forced Higgins to turn it over, and that Bryce Brown had a great game. And Auburn won in overtime. That was uh, that was not good, Parlay Kid, right, for us? Sal, you know, there was a point, uh, you know, midway through the first half, and even at halftime, I never had the impression he was losing that game. I really didn't. Uh, I, I felt like uh, they kind of dominated that. I thought they dominated the first half, and I thought just being up about five, at, though, at halftime was not enough at that point. But I just felt like, man, Auburn could not match up with them, and yet Auburn still finds a way with, with uh, one of the top players out. How do they win this game? Is Bruce Pearl that great of a coach? Maybe he just is, Sal. He might be. He might be. Yeah, you're right. Well, we're going to see. I mean, uh, that no one expected this. Even Charles Barkley didn't expect this team to go so far. Okay, so the last game is CBS's last chance at a good final or a marketable final. Duke and Michigan State. Uh, Duke comes in. It's a back-and-forth game. Um, is Reddish going to play? Is he not? Is he supposed to make a difference? I thought he'd be all the difference in the world. Uh, I think he was two for six with eight points. Um, Zion was getting his, 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 uh, his touches. He was scoring big game, but I don't have a problem with him not getting the ball. Tay, what do you feel about Zion? Not getting the, the last couple of shots. What, uh, what they were able to do in this game with the double teams, uh, with Zion in the post. I mean, they, they basically had scouted him enough and knew him well enough to knew that, you know, he wanted to do that certain spin move. They were doubling him down there. They were frustrating him a little bit. And then, you know, I mean, like you said, Reddish and Barrett, these guys are supposed to step up and, and keep them honest a little bit with the collapsing on defense. They didn't make the threes. And that pretty much was the difference in the game. I mean, Michigan State was tough and they played good defense. And Trey Jones, the one thing that he can do is disrupt the point guard. And he's done that to a bunch of freshman point guards. But Cassius Winston, I mean, he, he stood through it all day and kept making the right play and it worked. Phenomenal. And Goins, big, big clutch shot at the end. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought Zion, I was like, they're going to foul him and he's going to make one out of two free throws because that obviously wasn't a strong point. But uh, I was a little worried about that. But so then Duke's gone. So Virginia's my only uh, one seed left in this uh, tournament. So let's look ahead to Saturday's games. Virginia, minus five and a half over Auburn. The over-unders, 130 and a half. Michigan State, minus three over Texas Tech, over-under, 132 and a half. This is Sharp Tank. You guys are going to give me a pick. I am going to buy one of those from you. And I don't even know. I'm, I'm so disenchanted with all these games. I don't know what I'm going to do. So let's start with you, Parley Kid. Who do you like? So, you know, I'm not as uh, disenchanted as you are. I know it's uh, without Duke and without UNC and Gonzaga, but I don't know, Sal. I think uh, looking at some of these teams, Texas Tech and Michigan State, who, by the way, Sal, was like 35-1 early in the year, I think right before the season started to win, uh, which we, we talked about to win this uh, tournament. I believe that not Tom Izzo team should ever be uh, have that uh, bad of odds as far as I'm concerned. 9-1 uh, going into this, this weekend. weekend, yeah. Isn't that crazy? It really is crazy. He might just be the best coach in college basketball. He does mm -hmm. a, just a phenomenal job every year. But, Sal, I'm for my sharp tank bet, my best bet this weekend. Uh, I know Harry's on the Virginia bandwagon, 
It's a team that uh, earlier in the year at 15 to one odds, I gave out when we went through our uh, preseason bets here. Uh, and but you know what? I feel like the little pressure off them now, they're in the final four. Now there's a little pressure back on them because yeah, they're probably supposed to beat Auburn here. They're giving five and a half points. Uh, Harper and Brown, man, were they terrific. Scored 50 out of Auburn's 77 points. Uh, and we also know well known that Virginia has the nation's best defense, giving up 55 points uh, a game. Kyle Guy finally gets going. Harry and Brian were absolutely trashing this guy in the first half of the game. They calling him, I think at one point, one of them said, the worst player in college basketball, something close to that. And uh, I'm a big Kyle Guy fan, as it, as it really turns out. But they were killing him. And I think that second half that he had, I think that momentum is going to carry over uh, to Saturday uh, in this game. Uh, Ty Jerome, and he's been super steady all tournament long. And as Harry just mentioned before, uh, DeAndre Hunter, he hasn't really been at his best. He's been averaging 10 points a game over the last three. I think he steps up and has his best game of the tournament here. I think Auburn, what a run they're on. I think finally flinch here. Virginia is number two in the country in defending three-pointer. I think they're going to shut Auburn's three down. Look for the unders, too, in these games, I think, because teams will not shoot lights out in these games. They never seem to in these types of games. I say Virginia, they're going to the finals here, Sal. Take them minus the five and a half. All right, minus five and a half. Brother Bry, uh, in a way, I think it's good it's not Virginia Duke because you and I would have put uh, $75 million on a two-team money line parlay with Virginia Duke, I have a feeling. So instead, uh, it, we, we're at without Duke, and it's Texas Tech and Michigan State and Virginia Auburn. What's your best bet? Uh, yeah, I mean, as much as we probably, uh, the world probably wants to see uh, Michigan State, Virginia, I'm going to go with Texas Tech at plus three. I mean, I think points are going to be at a premium in this game, especially the way this weekend went. I'm not comfortable. Are you comfortable giving points in any of these games? I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I would say is Michigan State obviously is a great team against the spread. They're 27-11. But I think Texas Tech has probably had the most impressive run so far. I mean, they killed Buffalo. They killed Michigan. Uh, The way they handled Gonzaga, again, the way they – the way they played in those last 10 minutes were really impressive, considering Culver wasn't even so dominant scoring. I mean, he was 5 of 19 in that game, and still they, they still controlled that game, and it was really impressive. So, I mean, I think Michigan State's been really good at protecting the ball the last two games, but usually they're more prone to turnovers this year, uh, which, again, we talked about before, Texas Tech causing all these turnovers. So, I, again, I think... Just the fact that I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game, three points seems like a lot here. I would be too worried about giving points. Uh, I think Texas Tech is definitely going to keep this close, so, so I like the plus three. All right. Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, am I nervous about uh, giving points? The answer is yes, and then the stupid game like Purdue happens, and you like never want to take an underdog again as long as you live. So I don't know. I think that's why I'm disenchanted <laughs> with this. Harry, what do you like? You like this Texas Tech game also, don't you? Yeah, you know what? I mean, like, you know, I bet Virginia at the beginning of the tournament to win it all, so I'm very biased in that situation. So I'm going to lean towards the other side in the other game. I'm going to take the Michigan State-Texas Tech game to go under 132.5. You know, Parley Kid made a great point about Izzo and doing a great job coaching. I mean, they got a rebound today. 
They, uh, they only went to the free throw line six times, but the defense still stifled them, duke down the stretch and everything. And, and to pull that game out, what a job by Izzo. I mean, this team's defense, since the second half of the Badley game, they've, uh, their point differential is plus 50, shutting teams down left and right. Uh, Minnesota shot 9% against uh, uh, Michigan State, 2 for 22 shooting from three-point range. 30% for the game. LSU, 28% from three-point range. And uh, Duke, 33% uh, today. And, uh, of course, uh, they forced 10 more turnovers versus Duke. Meanwhile, Texas Tech has some incredibly stifling defense. They've given them 57 in their opening game, 58 uh, to a high-scoring Buffalo team who they really shut down. And a lot of people had Buffalo winning that game. And Brian mentioned uh, Michigan, 44 points. Uh, held them to one of 19 shooting from three-point range. It's 5%, and Gonzaga only shot 27% from three-point range. I mean, they've given up 57 points in four contests in the tourney, and that includes beating a number two and a number one seed. Under 132 seems like uh, excellent play here next Saturday. All right. Wow, all right. So we have Tate, we have Texas Tech plus three, Virginia minus five and a half, and Texas Tech game under 132 and a half. Which one would you go with, Tate? I think I'm going to go with Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech has been the most impressive team so far for me in the tournament. I like them getting the points there. And, uh, I mean, I, I like that Chris Beard, Culver, I, I think they have a nice formula to, to, to win in March. And, like I said, a lot of teams are are overestimating the defense and maybe underestimating their offense because uh, they've been solid the whole time. So, I think t- uh, Texas Tech is a good pick. All right, you know what? And make that – I'm going to second that or third that as it is. Uh, Texas Tech plus three, and here's why I'm, I'm going to do it. There's a prop swap ticket out there. Now, we know how much I lost on the Saints betting a prop swap ticket. Uh, there's one that will pay another $150,000 or something if I jump on it, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump on it. I'm not doing the same, making the same mistake, uh, and that's why it will win. So Texas Tech plus three, congratulations, Brother Bry. That's going to be a winner. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys, we did it. A hundred podcasts. Want to thank everybody who contributed. The degenerate trifecta and Tate Frazier. Uh, Tony Romo called in, left a message. Jimmy Kimmel and my grandmother. Uh, Brad Mulcahy. Bill Simmons. Uh, the list goes on and on. What do we have? Lenny Dykstra. We had Harry's Weight Loss. Oh, the late, great Super Dave. Molly Bloom. And uh, Captain Morgan, I'd like to thank. And also... For Simmons, Joe House, George Foreman, Joe Namath, Keith Hernandez, Oscar De La Hoya, Bailey, Jay Cornegie, Jeff Schwartz, Manny Pacquiao, Max Kellerman, Matt Stoney, Johnson, Vinny the Bookie, Gary Myers, Mike Lombardi, Eddie Olchek, Kenny Main, Bobby Carpenter, The Miz, Brian Gewertz, Artie Lang, Matthew Berry, Vince Young, Ronald and Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Brant Tobler, Ian Epstein, Dickie Barrett, Gabe Feldman, Michael Irvin, Adam Carolla, Bob Arum, RJ Bell, Nate Diaz, Phil Helmuth, Rachel Benetta, Mark Titus, Evan Campbell, Nephew Kyle, Jim Cunningham, Tate Frazier, and the Degenerate Trifecta. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Nah, nah, nah.